risen indeed. If you have your Bibles with you, turn with me to the Gospel according to John. The Gospel according to John. While you're finding that book of the Bible, I reflected this week and began to think about when I was younger in my faith, I had a tendency to, uh, to read Scripture in a particular way. My tendency was to do this. If I came across something that I was reading and it made reference to something I didn't understand, I would dismiss it as unimportant. As long as I understood the big picture of the meaning of the text, right? I mean, for example, when, when reading the gospel according to John, and I would come across these phrases that says, it was the time for the Feast of Tabernacles. And because I didn't know what the Feast of Tabernacles was, I would just dismiss it, right? I would just say, well, it, you know, it must not be that important. I mean, as long as I get the gist of what's going on. But here's the problem with my surface reading. God's word, the Bible, does not have filler words. There are not words that are just to fill the space. God's, God's word doesn't waste words. Well, the book of John this morning is going to take us on a journey. And the journey is structured around the pilgrimage feast. If you were to read, if you were to read the book of John, you would notice that uh, there are several times throughout the book of John that uh, he tells us the time of year by associating it with the pilgrimage feast. It was the time of the Feast of Passover or the time for the Feast of Pentecost or for even the tabernacles. What exactly are those feasts? Why, why did John, as he's writing this book for the purpose of helping us uh, put our faith in Christ, why did he mention these times of years? In fact, if you're familiar with this idea that um, Jesus had an earthly ministry of three years, one of the reasons that we know that is just simply because of the book of John and how he structured it. He structured it so that it was this year and then this year and then this year, and you can see from one year to the next, you can see the, the feast of Passover coming and going. Then I, I, one of the things that I want to point out to us this morning, before we jump into this Easter journey through, the, through John's book, uh, there's two things that I want to point out. The first is that there were three pilgrimage feasts. Now, all three of them are outlined in Leviticus chapter 23. Leviticus chapter 23. In fact, that's really the outline that I'll be following today, Leviticus chapter 23. What we're doing in John is seeing the fulfillment of all the things from Leviticus 23. So, they are the Feast of Passover, the Feast of Weeks, or Pentecost, and then the Feast of Tabernacles, sometimes called the Feast of Booths. These three feasts all happen in sequence because the next cannot occur without the previous. In other words, the Feast of Weeks and the Feast of Tabernacles both hinge on Easter. Without Easter, the Messianic prophecies of the Levitical feast will not be fulfilled. Now, the second thing that I want to point out before we jump in to this, this journey 
is I don't want us to be confused by the word feast. When I think of the word feast, I probably, like you, uh, assume that a huge meal is associated. And that may be the case. But the Hebrew word that is often translated as feast is actually the word moed, which means appointed time. Appointed time. In other words, there are three divinely appointed times that have the sole purpose of pointing us to the person and work of Christ Jesus. So let's begin then with key point number one, and we'll unpack it from the scriptures. Key point number one, Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Let's pick up at John chapter 1. Right at the very beginning of John, there's this hint that is pointing us to the feast of Passover. Here's what it says. Let's pick up at verse 19. Now this is the testimony of John. This is John the Baptist, by the way. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, well, what then, or who then? Are you Elijah? He said, I'm not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Then they said to him, well, who are you? That we may give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And he said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now those who were sent were from the Pharisees. And they asked him, saying, Why then do you baptize if you're not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but there stands one among you whom you do not know. It is he who, coming after me, is preferred before me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. These things were done at Bethabara, beyond the Jordan, where John was baptizing. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. If you skip down to verse 35, it says again, The next day, John stood with two of his disciples. And looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. So what was John the Baptist doing? John the Baptist is referencing the Feast of Passover as identified in Leviticus chapter 23. Now there's three parts, there's, well, there's several things about the Feast of Passover, but there's three parts that I want to point out because it's extremely important that we understand that the Feast of Passover is ultimately pointing us to the death, the burial, and resurrection of Christ. The first is the Lamb. The Lamb itself is associated with the death, with Jesus' death. When we think about that, on the 10th day of the first month, a lamb was to be chosen and then examined. And the lamb must be free of defects and imperfections. The lamb was sacrificed on behalf of the family to atone for their sins. Now, when we think about Jesus being the lamb of God, we can't help but recognize and think about the fact that Jesus was examined. Jesus went through the, the uh, trial 
In fact, at the same time that these lambs were being examined, Jesus went through six different trials. He went before the religious leaders more than once. He went to Pilate. Uh, he was before different leaders at different points for all for the purpose of examining him, and they were trying to find fault. And every single time, in every single trial, the result was the same. You know, they, they, they couldn't find what they were looking for. They couldn't find fault in him. It's a picture of the lamb who takes away the sin of the world. John 19, verse 6 says this, Pilate said to them, you take him and you crucify him, for I find no fault in him. Jesus is the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So when we think about Passover, when we think about that first pilgrimage feast of going up to Jerusalem, we begin with recognizing that there is a a picture pointing us to death. But the second part points us to burial. There was another part of the Feast of Passover where they would concern themselves with the unleavened bread. And one of the things that they would do is after the lamb was sacrificed, they would go and clean their entire home. And they would make sure that there was no leaven. After the lamb is sacrificed, the next day, Nisan 15, so Nisan 14 is when the lamb is sacrificed. The very next day, homes were to be rid of all the leaven or all the yeast. Throughout scripture, yeast is always a picture of sin. It's a picture of how, how sin ha has uh, corrupted us. And so we see this throughout scripture, whenever you see yeast or leaven mentioned, or that uh, bread should be unleavened, it's saying that it should be free from sin. So after the death is the burial, free from sin, sweeping it away, burying it, getting rid of it. And then the third part points us to the resurrection. The third part of Passover was this aspect uh, that comes on the uh, on three days after the lamb was sacrificed. So the lamb was sacrificed, then they would free their homes or clean their homes from any leaven, and then three days after the lamb was sacrificed, the Israelites celebrated what they called uh, the first fruits. The first fruits. Now what was the idea here? Well, Jesus is referenced in scripture as the first fruits of the resurrection. He is the first one he is, he is the first fruit of this harvest that is going to produce believers following him. So we have within Passover, we continually see the death, the burial, and resurrection, even in the celebrations themselves. But don't miss this. At the divinely appointed time, at the divinely appointed time, the feast, appointed time, Jesus fulfilled all three aspects of the celebrations of Passover, the death, the burial, and the resurrection, the lamb, the unleavened bread, and the first fruits. So what does that mean for us? I mean, what does that mean for you, for me? Well, at this part in our journey, 
through these three pilgrimage feasts, our primary actionable step is to place faith in the resurrected Christ. Jesus fulfilled the Passover at the appointed time. And we too are called to place our faith in Christ.